This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, yeah, we're a glutton for punishment, we are. Uh, hello, back again for the TGT podcast, our weekly show in which we chat about an Arsenal match, typically at the weekend. Typically, it's a therapy session, and we've got a hell of a one for you today. 24 hours after Arsenal, just over, or just actually under 24 hours after Arsenal have been beaten 3-0 by Liverpool. Um, we were joined by people to have a chat about that um and talk about some hilarities of the fallout uh, from obviously a ridiculously poor result from the arsenal perspective so i'm going to stop waffling now because we should probably just you know get this over and done with Joined today by two wonderful people. First off, making his way all the way over uh, from the Atlantic. It's our good friend from Miami. It's John. How do you mate? You well? You muted. <laughs> You're unmuted now. I've done it. <laughs> I said well is such a relative term, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing better than the team is right now. Let's put it that way. So th- that's positive. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. Fair enough, son. Um, and also, it's been a little bit of a while, but uh, one of our regulars that I know a lot of you know, and uh, it's always a pleasure to have him on, my, uh, my brother from Roosters. Uh, it's all I do, mate. You will? Bro, uh, it, was, it was bad yesterday, man, but uh, I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm happy. Um, yeah, good health, all of that. But Arsenal, uh, yeah, roller coaster, roller coaster. Let's talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it, mate. And welcome everyone in the chat box. Of course, uh, massive thank you for everyone that's tuning in. We're aware that there's a game going on right now uh, that's got quite a fun scoreline right now. I know I've just jinxed that, um, but uh, we'll see how that concludes. We will be on, of course, when that finishes and we'll have a better idea of how the league's looking, of course, after that point as well. Um, and I just want to look at, obviously, what you guys are thinking about the game, how you're feeling a day after the match. So let us know in the chat box. We'll get some of your comments going as the boys are talking. Um, but starting off with you, Ola, we'll go in reverse order, mate. I know you, you said you're, you're not feeling too great, uh, it's fair to say, this morning. But ju- just give me your raw reaction to yesterday's result. Um, yesterday, I thought 
I thought we the first the first half we I mean going in at half time, I was kind of happy. Like all right, we we didn't we didn't really do a lot in the first half. I mean Liverpool could have been out of sight with three or four goals in the first half. Uh, where we're in for them not having a shooting boots on because they just kept shooting off target, but they had really really good chances. Um, so I thought you know we were we were fortunate enough. And maybe we did work hard enough to to try and at least go in go in at half time, but uh, at nil nil. But when you look at you, you always knew. Look, the way the chances that Liverpool were getting, they they were never they were never going to stay the same. You know, it was up to us to tighten up a little bit more and um, and try and and try and get control of um of the game. And we didn't. You know, we lost control of the midfield. Um, misplaced passes, unforced errors, not looking after the ball. Um, there was just so many individual mistakes, and on top of that, people to me it just showed that people didn't. I, I felt like you know the players didn't care, and that that hurts me a little bit because of uh, the, the, you know the occasion for for Rocky Road Castle yesterday, and. You know, for 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 his anniversary and stuff, I, I just thought it was so lackluster um, for a game of that magnitude, irrespective of where we are in the league. Um, yeah, it was very very disappointing. But this is something that we've seen all season. You know, it's not it's not the first it's not the first type of game, and these players have got this type of mistakes in them, and they've got this type of games in them where you know they don't respect the opposition. They they don't do the basics properly, um, and it always comes back to hunt us, you know. But yeah, horrible horrible result yesterday. We we at least I I, I felt we could have done with the three points considering the results that happened with say Spurs and and Chelsea. But um, yeah. you know what? It wasn't meant to happen. So. A bit pissed no. off, but here we are. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both, mate. You and me both. I just, it is always the way that whenever teams drop points, Arsenal are the worst team at taking advantage of, of opportunities. Always. Every single time. I should stop tweeting them out because after Chelsea <laughs> lost, it was like, if we beat Liverpool, we'll be six points off top four, lads. Like, this is I thought be you would have known this by now. You've been jinxing, you've been jinxing Coca-Cola in his whole career, man. Oh, yeah, as soon as he leaves, as soon as he leaves for Valencia, mate, he, he goes to go. His whole Arsenal career, he jinxed it. <laughs> oh, no. You see, I'm saying Cedric Screamer now as our TGT thing. He's going to leave us and he's going to score a long shot in the first game he plays for oh, someone else. Man. He's going to do it at the Euros of Portugal. It. That's what he's going to do. John, <laughs> the, obviously the reaction to the game was... <laughs> I mean, you've seen it. You've been on social media today and at last night, I'm sure. It was mm. really... I, I don't want to call it hyperbolic because obviously the, the performance was so poor. It's no meaning. Okay, go on. I'm going to let you go for gold on, on how you think the reaction to the game was measured or not. Well, okay. So first off, I think it needs to be premised with the fact that it's been like, there's been this frustration bubbling, right? And like, we've been doing well and then we do poorly and then do mm. well and then we do poorly. So there's this like kind of, dialectical tension between people who are ready to just start throwing their hands up and ready, you know, and, and we could just go, we can go on Thursday and like, it feels and do really, really well. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you know, we still have this European trophy to fight for. Um, 
until we get knocked out of Europe and then it's going to be a full collapse. So I think this was a taste of what to expect if we get knocked out of Europe. Um, but to way more greater uh, order of magnitude if if we do. So mm. um, like I said, going back to my initial point, it's premised on the fact that there is this bubbling tension going on. Um, and it was, a, I don't want to say it was like foreseeable, but I, I don't want to say it's hyperbolic. I, I do kind of want to say it's hyperbolic because it, it kind of is because we still have a European champion. We still have a European trophy to potentially win. Whether you believe we have a, a chance or not, I mean, the cha- the reality is we do. We do have a chance to win that trophy. Whether <laughs> yeah. we will go out and win it. After Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But, um, yeah, it was it was not a fun game. It was not a fun game. It was not a fun result. And it was the manner in which, you know, we got injuries to important players. We, we you know, it was not good for the morale of the team and the morale of the fan base. So, regardless of whether I think it's being, there, you know, it's a little hyperbolic. It's definitely not fun. It's definitely not a, a, a performance that anyone needs to or should accept, regardless of the fact that we have a European game coming up on Thursday. I don't think that's really a, an excuse for the way that we played. Um, and this chasm of 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 quality that we saw between the two was really, really, and and it's kind of this is what this is what ha- I feel happens with with Arsenal uh, recently. Uh, we'll get into this like kind of good run of form. And, you know, everything seems to be going okay. And then all of a sudden we get kind of like brought down to reality about where we are in this development, in this process and as a team. Um, And we can laugh at Liverpool and and their recent form and stuff. But this is a team that has been playing under Klopp with a very unified vision for a long time and has demonstrable success from it. So I'm not really sure what people expect when we play a team like Liverpool and a a Klopp side like that. Um, You know, maybe they thought because they hadn't been doing good that we're, you know, you know, not as... All right, John, let me throw you a question because I feel like... Please. I just want to press you on that because obviously I I think people will turn around and say that maybe that's an excuse to say that we were coming up against a Liverpool side. Liverpool without Van Dijk, they're without Joel Matip, they were playing with Phillips and Kabak at the back and arguably we should have tested those guys more. We should have, we should have. And let me just put it, I don't want to misspeak and and try to justify why we played the way we did. No, I'm only pressing Um, you. No, no, no. I appreciate it. And and it, it really comes down to it comes down. It's not an excuse, right? It's not an excuse that that they had uh, like less players that that would have been beneficial for them to, to win this game or that they've had throughout the season. It's really just looking at the side and going, even with their kind of substitute players that they're using, this team as a whole understands what Klopp wants to do, you know, and and that, that's something that is relevant, whether that kind of tips the scale and, and now all of a sudden it shouldn't, it should justify, you know, us beating them or, or whatever. There's no guarantees in the Premier League. You can't just because it's, and we, we as Arsenal fans should know that more than anyone on the planet <laughs> that, that the, when, when they're keep, when a key player is out, out of a rival side, the chances dramatically increase that the team's going to beat us. It's just, I, don't know, I don't know why it is. I'm thinking back to like, even we can go as far back as like Man United, remember with like Rashford and all those guys, like all of a sudden, uh, Rooney. Like, Rooney, all, it, yeah, you know, it's like, it, this is just, you know, this is just what happened. So I'm, it, it's a little hyperbolic only in so far as it's kind of like, yeah, that I kind of saw this one coming. Um, but not, not like Ola said, I didn't like the way that the players kind of approached the game, especially given the, the, the circumstances with Roe Castle and it was supposed to be this, you know, beautiful, beautiful homage to him. I was hoping that people would, especially like Aubameyang or someone would, you know, it was supposed to be touted as this club legend would get out there and, you know, make something happen. And it was just, it just wasn't fun at the end of the day. And you never want to lose at home like that. So, meh. 
Yeah, fair enough. Um, Ola, when we look at kind of... Because I don't want to get too bogged down on, on the game and the specifics of the match because I think that what happened during the game is very obvious is that Liverpool were the better team on the day. We didn't have a lot of our players. We played horrifically, um, had no outball whatsoever. The tactics that we, we used to set up, I do want to talk about some of the team selection points from the coach because I, I think some of them were really questionable. After that West Ham game where Aubameyang and Lacazette played together, I really didn't really kind of understand why, we, one, we left Aubameyang on the pitch for as long as we did against West Ham and took him off too late. But then to see him start him alongside Lacazette again after that performance, I thought was really, really odd. Did you have a lot of questions about Arteta's team selection during the match? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I've just been, I've been questioning Aubameyang playing as much as he's been playing because... I think it, there's one thing he hasn't tried yet, and he's done it to Lacazette all season. Bring Aubameyang off the bench. Maybe he could just create a different mindset to where he could play himself back into. It's just something we've not really seen it, seen him try try with Aubameyang. And after Martinelli being on the bench, should have started, considering how the game is looking now, and the, you know the 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 energy that. Martinelli was always going to bring because we know Aubameyang, the, the defense he did well. He, do, he does them, but how about pushing back their defense in the first place to re, to reduce our defensive duties? You know, push them back. And Martinelli is a master at doing that. You, you saw when he came on <laughs> in the first second, he rattled the whole defense. It's like they they think it will, you know, he came on and caused chaos, and that's something. I thought we could have done with from the start of the game. Um, even leaving it for as long as it did is something that really, really bothered me, especially at 63 minutes. You know, it really, really bothered me. We, we, we are nil-nil. Klopp is about to bring on Jota and we're bringing on El Nene. Like, what's going on? And the same guy Klopp brought on came to score two goals. So we had to go... We had to go two nil down to bring on a threat in Martinelli, and these were the questionable things that you know that I, I saw the manager do yesterday. Uh, it just bothered me because to me, it, it looked to me like he didn't. He ran out of ideas. He didn't know what to do. He, he just he gave up. He gave up, you know. And um, it's not every week we're going to do a Western. This is the Premier League. You can't be giving. Team is a two nil lead, a three nil lead, and expect to claw it back. Like this is, you know, this is the Premier League. It's ruthless, and you make mistakes, we get punished like that. Mm. In the chat, Bradley Costello says Abamyang uh, should have been up front, and the ball should have been played in behind at every opportunity because Kabak is just a bit like Mustafi, slow and clumsy. They had Lacazette in their pocket all game. Uh, Gary Hardy says you could see why Abamyang started. The space behind Trent was there, but we couldn't get the, the the ball in behind. And Partey tried a couple of times, but it didn't come off. Um, I I'm going to talk about the the elephant in the room for me. Um, <laughs> I feel like that we, it didn't matter what we did during that game, that we didn't have the personnel on the pitch to do what we have done successfully a lot this second half of the season. And I know that it's something that I talked about at length yesterday. It's an I say it's an elephant in the room. It's rather the elephant that wasn't in the room uh, yesterday. Um, because for me, without Granite Xhaka in this team, like 
I, I don't know. If, uh, it, for me, it can only be the most stubborn people in the world now <laughs> that can't see, for me, how integral he is. And I know that some people have turned around and said, and have changed their mind a bit and gone, okay, look, I'll hold my hands up. He is integral. But then the follow-on to that, which I think is fair of them to point out, is to say that, right, but he shouldn't be. Like, our, our play shouldn't be integral on Granite Xhaka being there. And I get that. And that is very, very true. And uh, trust me, I'd love to upgrade on the guy, believe me. But I think it would cost us a hell of a lot of money to go out and try and find someone who's going to do what Granite Xhaka does better and without those mistakes. But let's focus on the point, John, because yep. without without someone to collect the ball and also the fact that we played Ceballos, we had no way to take the ball from the defence into the midfield and bring it forwards because Partey, who can do that whilst on the ball, was covering so much for his partner's just ineptitude throughout the mm. game. Danny Ceballos was so, so poor. He yep. completed 54% of his total actions during the game. It was ridiculous. And I don't really get how we can kind of sit around and say that, look, Arteta's tactics weren't right this game. But I don't think we had the personnel on the pitch, even if we had the tactics, to enact those. However, what I would say as a caveat is I feel that if he'd have picked El Nenny over Sabas to start with, we may have had a better chance because he's a mm. better passer for me. I know he's very passive, but he can he just keeps the ball going. He passes accurately. He actually would have been able to play a couple of passes, whereas Sabas was trying stuff that during those moments, yeah, we great. We're passing the ball forwards a bit, but he was losing it all of the time. So... Is it as simple and is it a big enough excuse to say, look, we didn't have Granit Xhaka in this game. We couldn't enact the tactics that we wanted. Is that good enough? Is that acceptable? Or is it to say that, no, even without Granit Xhaka, with Sabas next to party, we should have been playing better in this game? Well, so this is one of the biggest criticisms I have about selling Granit Xhaka. Uh, and it's really, it really comes down to who do you replace him with and then who is your backup, all right? Because... Uh, first of all, minus the last couple games, Xhaka is for the last since he's been at this club, uh, almost the first name on the team sheet every single week. He's always available. He's rarely injured. He can play. Uh, it's like a he's like a robot. I, I've never seen a, a more vital player in terms of vitality, um, or seldom seen one. And the reality is, is okay. Yeah, you can upgrade him, right? And you will. And I'll answer your question in a second, but I just need to preface it with this: you can upgrade him, but you're gonna need to upgrade the whoever's whoever's the backup uh, midfielders, right? Because this is what you're gonna get when he's not playing. So that player better be able to play every single game or we're going to get performances like this. And then where is that going to get us? You're going to need the depth to rotate. And we don't have that in the midfield. And right now, Xhaka is a great player for us because he allows Arteta to enact the kind of plan that he wants to do in a way that he gets. And he does it week in, week out. He's always available for selection. So, yes, I'm okay with upgrading him. And, and yes, I think that even without a player like Xhaka, you still need to be able to kind of adapt to that. And even without him, you're going to need to be able to fix. But but it comes down to what you said. It's the personnel. Because even – I don't think El Nenny – think about it. Without Xhaka, who's our main midfielder, and it's going to happen where you're not going to have your main player that you want in position, what mm. do we have on the bench that's going to that's gonna fix it? That's going to be able to change anything. Is it? It's either a, a situation where Arteta is not able to get it through these other players, or the quality is just not there, or a mixture of both. But it's not as easy as just switching Jack out for another player. And and this is what I've been saying. And when he's not, people are like, oh, you know. But let's see what it's like when he's not playing. But like this is this is what you get. This is because this is the backup we have. And this is what you have to look forward to. You know, maybe you'll get an increase in quality when you upgrade him, which by definition, an upgrade is better than what you have currently have. 
but you're going to miss out when that player is not playing and they're not going to be able to play every single game of the season. So either, and I'm coming back to my original point, either you need to upgrade the backup options in midfield or you need a more comprehensive plan about how you're going to approach it from a tactical perspective. And I don't think we have any of that right now, which is very concerning going in and why I think either the backup or a, an upgrade on Jaka, if there's an upgrade on Jaka, there needs to be upgrade in, in the backup as well. This is what um, Gary Cardi says. I don't think Jack would have changed much. We have had plenty of bad team performances with him in the team. Sure, but I disagree. I think that he absolutely would have. He would have allowed us to keep possession. And, and, his, and when I say keep possession, I mean that he's able to actually pass the ball into the attacking third where we had less shots ever than we've ever. Or like, it was some crazy stat. It was like it's some astronomically low number of shots that we had. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was really, it was really poor from an attacking perspective. And it's not it's not like it's not a coincidence that Jaka wasn't on the field and we struggled to get the ball from defense to attack it's not I, I get people want to complicate football a lot but it's really that simple sometimes and in my opinion that's exactly what was happening I it really frustrates me around that when it's just categorically kind of just push the side saying Jaka would have made no difference like that it, it does frustrate me because I can't get my head around the point that I just think that that view comes from an agenda standpoint of just constantly wanting to downplay Granite Xhaka's influence and actually how good he is as a player. Mm-hmm. He would have had a difference as the high, the points that you highlighted, John. He's a better passer than everyone on that pitch. He is a better passer, and I mean everyone on that pitch is a better passer than everyone. On in, in Arguably the best passer in our team. Maybe, and I'm looking about a consistent passer. And I get the point that he makes mistakes. Don't get me wrong. But no, there's not really anyone in that Arsenal team that doesn't. And across the five seasons that he's been there, he's made eight errors that have led to goals. And if you oh. actually look at... Go on, go on, John. Go on. His mistakes aren't from his passing, really, though. It's not his mistakes come from maybe getting caught in position, or yeah, he could be a little bit slow in the turn and things like that, which are going to happen and increase in frequency with the amount that you're on the pitch, which he's on more than any single player we have on the pitch. So, sure, a player who plays more minutes is going to potentially make more mistakes, and that's not to say that he doesn't have the mistake in him. But the things that we could have we could have helped, the things that he could have brought to the table that would have helped us yesterday were the things that he's good at that he doesn't make the mistakes in, like passing the ball progressively, which people like to say he passes sideways and backwards, but I don't know if you've been actually watching him ever this season or ever at his Arsenal career, but he's one of the the best progressive platzers and has been statistically in Europe for like a good amount of time. So what... I don't, we don't have to turn it into a Jaka debate, but you, you hit the nail on the head. And I think that really the, the things that he would make mistakes on aren't the things that would have hurt us uh, yesterday. Yeah, I, it just really frustrates me because I, I, it just shows a blindness in my view, a really kind of blinkered perspective of, of something when you're not taking it into account. It's just he allowed us in every single point when we tried to get out from the Liverpool game yesterday is we couldn't, is we couldn't escape. We couldn't pass... We couldn't bring the wide men into play. And when we did, Lacazette took a heavy touch. And we lost the ball. When Pepe tried to run away, he was caught in possession because we couldn't put him away in the right areas. He had to come much, much deeper and collect the ball and try and run, which against Liverpool is a death sentence. But yeah. like we, we just couldn't get, we could not do what we needed to do in the game. And, and that was really frustrating. And it worries me ahead of Slavia Prague on Thursday. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on. That, that are we going to be able to play our game? I know that they aren't as good as Liverpool, but they're no mugs. They're still a very decent side that have knocked out some big teams in the competition this year. Um, Ola, when we talk about kind of 
the defense. The defense is, has come up a few times. Now, I do think that actually for 40 minutes in the game, or maybe even slightly longer, but before their first goal, I thought we actually defended quite well. We had absolutely nothing in attack, absolutely nothing. But the defense was keeping us in the game. That like We were making blocks, making clearances, and they had one clear-cut chance from James Milner in the whole of that first half. And then the cross happens that leads to their first goal. And you have the smallest man on the pitch. And I'm thinking flashbacks of Raheem Sterling against us, uh, Man City. And once again, it's the smallest guy on the pitch getting up and hitting the ball. Now, I spoke to someone the other day about this, someone who's a coach, you know, and I asked him about kind of the crosses that go into the box. And can you blame these defenders when these small guys jump in? And he says that if the cross is good enough, it doesn't matter. You can have the tallest in the backs in the world. But if he manages to get the cross and it, it lands on the person's head by a looping cross that dips at the right time. There's nothing you could do. And I think the cross was excellent. But the more to the point about the defence of the game is that when we went 1-0 down, we went we went kaput. The mentality went. The, the, any kind of chance of us even getting back into the game, the, the very slither of any hope that we may have gone just went. So that mentality is a problem. And uh, the gun gunner saw us, I think, in a chat earlier on said, Arteta's lost the dressing room. Do you think that was a sign of, in any way, of these players kind of losing that connection with the coach and not following the coach's instructions? What do you think about that? It's like the mental side of things. Um, I mean, nobody was saying that a couple of weeks ago when when we drew against West Ham and clawed back three goals that the players weren't playing for him. If anything, that showed that the players were playing for him and, 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 and clawed back that, that three goals. To, um, to, to, to get a draw in that West Ham game. But the, all, the problem is, and, you know, you could, you could see Ateta saying it all the time, you can't keep giving that amount of lead away. And I, I agree with you. Uh, in the first half, I thought, I thought we did enough to, to stifle them and, and keep it a nil-nil. And I, I did say earlier on, you know, we, we were lucky going into the uh, first half at nil-nil. And um, I thought we... we, we our attacking players start, started needing to push Liverpool back a little bit, and we didn't do that. We lost control of the of the midfield, and 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 that's that's how they that's how they got at us. And you know, going back to that goal that you you mentioned earlier on with Jota heading, this is my problem: is the cross was good, but as a centre back, what you then need to do is adjust your body shape. So situations like that with Jota don't happen. And holding, holding couldn't do that. And we could see what what happened um, since it got dropped. I think I think it was that Sterling goal. Uh, that was the last time we saw him. And you know, he's come back in, and, and the same thing has happened again. So it's there's still a lot of work to do. I don't know who's going to do that work. Whether it's going to be Ateta, whether the club's going to bring somebody else in. I, I don't think the club can even afford to do that at this point. Um, but for me. We 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 just didn't look after the ball well enough, you know. We 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 pondered on everything and we just kept losing control. The amount of unforced errors that we had was so significant, and it's, it's you know I never thought I'd say this because I'm, I've I've said from the day Shaka did that thing and disrespected the fans and you know threw down the armband and that I thought boy he's gonna take something big for you to get back into my good books. But I recognise what Shaka does in the team. And it's no mistake that every single manager since Wenger signed him, I've picked him and played him. 
and they all say the same stuff about him. He must have a wand of a foot in training. I don't know what he does there to convince <laughs> them to... I don't know what he does in training to convince them, but they all see the same thing. So there must be something there. They can't all be lying. Um, but at the same time, when you look at the size of our club, you know, the size of Arsenal Football Club, we, we shouldn't be depending on one player like that for the um, you know for for the for the way we play. I understand we in we in we in transition and we're trying to build a project and and that's where we are at the moment. Um so we're gonna have to make do with players like Shaka, you know, until until we, we're able to, to, to reach to reach the promised land. I don't I don't know how we're gonna pull it off, but uh, hopefully someday we get there. Um coming back to the game, I just feel our players could de- our attacking players definitely could have done so much more. But for me, it's not take, not doing the basics and not looking after the ball. For me, is part of the reason why why we really lost this game. Nothing to do with maybe Arteta. Uh, they're not playing for Arteta because I don't think that's the case. I really, really think uh, the, the 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 players are still in there. Um, when I, I I think it's it'll be fairly obvious when they start to do that. You know, when they're not really when they're not playing for him no more. It's going to be fairly obvious, but we look at the players that that were um, absent in that game yesterday. These are the players that have been playing out of their skin for Ateta in ESR, Saka, you know, Martinelli alongside alongside uh, Lacazette. But um, you know, we didn't have we didn't have those guys yesterday, and I don't want to use that as an excuse. But you know, they've been integral part of you know us getting good results and good performances over the last uh, few weeks. So, yeah, I still think the players are in there with Ateta. So I think that they are too. I, I think it's to, to suggest that we've lost the dressing room. When you look at the difference between the end of Unai Emery's tenure and what we were playing like and what the players were like, you never saw the players coming out and supporting Unai Emery. That's for sure. You didn't see a single one of them. And and I think there was a good question in the chat talking about Unai Emery saying, if Dominic Harry was asking, say, the, the experienced manager Unai Emery couldn't get more. And that kind of point about experience comes up with Arteta a lot. Yet we had a guy that won three Europa Leagues couldn't get a better ring out of these players either. And we were dropping down the table and, and that's where we are. I want to kind of look at more beyond the game um, and look ahead and look at where this puts us and what this means. And, and not even just like the next week, we'll come on to Slavia Prague a little bit later on in the show, but I want to talk about kind of the, the context of Arsenal right now and the expectations, because I think that that's something that's come out of this game is very much like Arsenal have lost more league games in the Premier League and the, than any other Premier League season um, that we're on course for one of our worst Premier League finish, uh, finishes, etc. And obviously the growing calls for the manager to be replaced, John, are intensifying. Um, yeah. and, and it's I, Whilst I still am very much inclined to turn around and be like, look, I don't really understand the point of view yet because I don't think there's enough evidence and I think that we need to see more. And I still want to kind of sit here in a year's time and then assess the situation after. It's not blind faith. It's, it's looking at what's happened and looking at the context of the situation, just me feeling I don't think there's enough time yet at the moment for me to have a proper assessment. But we are ninth. And then there's discussion and then there's this thing that's really kind of bugging me at the moment. That's why I want to pick your brains about it. So maybe you can be my therapist for the evening. Um, (laughs) Because this whole idea saying like Arsenal should be above West Ham. Arsenal should be above Everton. Arsenal shouldn't be ninth. We're better than this squad's better than ninth. And I talked about this on yesterday's 
Raw Reaction Show. And I said, if you look at the whole, and I'm saying, like, I'm starting 11. If you look at our best, our best 11, I'm keeping max six players. Like, I'm saying that at least five of the players in that starting 11, I'm saying you're either questionable or, or I'm getting rid of you. And the six players that I was talking about, and I didn't put Martinelli in because I don't think Martinelli's like quite ready to be that starting 11 starter consistently week in, week out, just yet. I'd throw him in now because of the situation. I mean, maybe he is. We don't know. That's the thing. Maybe, maybe, the yeah, maybe he'll prove me wrong and then we'll talk about that as, as a different time. But like, I'm looking at kind of what my starting 11 is and where I'd sure. play Martinelli would be probably still on the left at the moment. And Emil Smith-Rowe for me is my left-sided player with Erdogan at 10. So looking at that, I'm keeping Smith-Rowe, I'm keeping Xhaka, I'm keeping Partey, I'm keeping Tierney, I'm keeping Gabriel, the centre-back, um, and I'm keeping Bakayo Saka as my six. I'm not keeping either of Lacazette or Bamiyang at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not keeping any of those. I'm not keeping any other of the centre-backs. Rob Holden for me is, is, we signed to a contract for depth. Like he's decent, but he's not an Arsenal starting centre-back for me. Yeah. None of the right-backs. I know Cedric squad, we love you all. Um, but again, for an Arsenal where we want to be, Cedric's not going to be our, our starting right-back. I think Leno, I've backed the guy, but he's made a lot of questionable performances and decisions this season. And I don't think he's like safe, is what I'd say, which is why I've not included. He's not safe for me. Um you look at the forwards, Pepe, yes. If we signed him for 20 million with 18 goal contributions last season, I might have been like, yeah, you know, 20 million quid, that's a decent deal, but he didn't. He cost us 72 million quid. And for what we're getting from him, it's not enough for me. Mm. I, I, I just, I can't deal with that. And Erdogan I didn't include because he's not our player. So right, that, right, that's right. that's why I didn't put him in there. So that's six players. And then I'm thinking, I'm looking, and I'm, and I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of an Everton fan, of a West Ham fan, of a Leicester fan, of all these teams that are above us. And ask them that same question. How many of your starting 11, for the position that you're in, for the targets that you've got, how many of your starting 11 are you keeping? And in my mind, they're keeping a hell of a lot more players than I've suggested that I'm keeping for this Arsenal team. And that makes me go, you know what? Even on paper, I don't think this squad is that much better than ninth, to be honest. But I'd love to get your thoughts. I mean, that's a a very interesting kind of thought process. And, you know, the reality is I, I think they wouldn't keep it for a different reason that they would they would keep their more players than we would for a different reason than we want to get rid of more players. Of I think, and it comes down to ambition. I think, and you know, we're we're a, we're a club that is unlike West Ham, used to a certain degree of success, and we've been promised a lot about what to expect with this club. We have the highest ticket prices in in the entire country, and you know, there's this expectation given the amount of money all around the world that fans pay to Arsenal and that they make through their endorsement deals and all that stuff, that we are going to be more than a mid-table team. And yeah, I think West Ham, remember, they went through this really tumultuous period, even when they were rebuilding the state, when they built their new stadium. And it was like, why are we doing this right now? You know, instead invest in the squad, let's actually win something. And um, right now they're, you know, they, they've kind of shifted towards actually being really serious about, about trying to get into a position where they're going to be winning a lot more accolades. And the problem with us is that, yes, we have a lot of recent success in the terms of FA Cup and top four and Champions League up until recently. Um, and I don't even really think you can call it recently anymore. And, uh, you know, we haven't won the league in over a decade way more than over a decade. I think we're pushing on the second highest drought uh, of of a league title that we ever had. I think the last one was like 71 to 89. So there's there's a significant amount of of pressure for us to actually go and 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 you know, I don't I, I if you if you went to West Ham for example and you said, "All right, you're going to keep all those players. 
uh, what are your goals? I don't think their goal is to challenge for the league, right? That's what we want. We want to be in the top four. We want to challenge to win the win, win the league eventually. And that's mm. where our sights are. I think more like earlier than that, our sights are just to get back into the Champions League because I think that's that's our that's our kind of short term goal: get into the top four and or get into the Champions League. Um, I think they have a similar one in that regard, but with us, it's a little different from everything I mentioned. There's this underlying deeper kind of pressure to to do more than just make the Champions League. We did that for 20 years straight, all right? Just, just getting the Champions League with a sprinkle of an FA Cup here or there, all right? We want to challenge as a club for those major titles. So that's where I think a lot of this frustration is coming um, in part from that. Um, now, I, agree, I actually agree with your assessment regarding the players that you would keep and not keep. Um, I think that there's a lot that needs to be done with the squad if we are ever going to not just make the top four or make Champions League qualification, but actually push to win something significant, especially in the climate that we have right now with the Klops and the Pep Guardiola's and the money flying around in the Premier League right now. And as Ola was talking about on the podcast when it was just us before we went live, the 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 the, the what am I trying to say? The, <laughs> the volatility of the Premier League right now, where I can't, I'm right there with you. I, I cannot imagine another season in recent memory where there were these kind of giant killings going on within the Premier League, left and right. It feels like every other day there's uh, a big team is losing out points to someone that's fighting a relegation battle. And um, you know, maybe someone can come up with the stats on that and show how it's not anything different. It's just my recollection of what I've seen in the Premier League. It seems to happen a lot more now. So, you know, it's a weird, weird climate in the Premier League right now. And there's some weird stuff going on. Um, and there's a lot of money flying around and there's a lot of ambition flying around. Um, so, you know, if we're going to be serious about it, yeah, I think we do need upgrades on players like Jaka as much as I think he can get us to that top four position, although he hasn't historically done it. I think he can. Uh, I, you know, with, with a pre, I have this, I have this mug that, that I got from the FA cup, which is Obama Yang's goal in the most recent FA cup in the suite. It's a great mug, but it's like the, it was like downhill from there, from him, he got named captain. And then all of a sudden he like disappeared. And if we had pre, you know, pre FA cup, Obama Yang, my, the feelings I had about where we could go in the future are a little bit different than him as a player. It's totally in doubt. Leno, totally in doubt. Lacazette, totally in doubt. Sometimes we'll get a good player, sometimes we won't. You know, there's players that are consistently good. Your Gabriels, your Tierneys, like you mentioned, the ones that you you kind of elucidated. And hopefully we can keep an Odegaard because he looks like the kind of real deal. And Martinelli, maybe he comes in and, and does, a, does a job. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done to the side if we are going to meet the expectations that we have as a big club like Arsenal. And I think the first step is to get in that top four Champions League position. And then the next step is really what the pressure is, because there is this underlying need to push towards something more than that. And I think that's what really differentiates us at this point from your Everton's and your West Ham's. And it's which is why right now there's so much pressure on the manager and so much question about. I understand bringing a manager who isn't experienced at all, really, in first team uh, coaching at this level. Yeah. Um sorry, sorry Tom. Can I just piggyback off some something um John just mentioned there as well? Um um you know when you when you have the amount of players that you'd get rid of in, in the team, I, I agree with some of you know a lot of the players that you mentioned there as well, and the ones that you said you're gonna keep and keeping six. All right, and this is first eleven. You got six consistent performers here in a game, and every game 
you carrying five passengers that you know at any time they've got a mistake that can lead to a goal in them. Yeah. You know, we never go, we're never going to get anywhere. Hmm. Never going to get anywhere with, you know, ca carrying this. Maybe we can get away with one, maybe two on a, on a, on a good day. Maybe you can get away with, you can't carry five, six passengers every game. And we do this week in, week out. So, you know, I agree with you on them that you mentioned as well. I think what I want to ask you, Oleron, as well, is kind of the next gripe I've got. Um, and I know that me and you differ on kind of the, the Arteta standing as well. So it'd be interesting to get your thoughts. Um, the, the whole thing about like where we've come since the end of the Arsene Wenger tenure. So like... This idea that obviously we're regressing and we're declining, and I agree in that sense. Like I think Arsenal are certainly in that position where they get, they're, they're going backwards. Um, and you've got the end of the Wenger, and we know the last few years of that, going backwards, dropped out of the Champions League. We won a couple of trophies within that time, um, which is great. Um, but league position where we decline, Emery comes in, gets us to, to fifth in a very strange season. Um, and missed out on top four through what I still would consider his own ineptitude and silly, <laughs> ridiculous rotations. Um, and obviously, we got to the Europa League final and then one of, one of the worst performances we've seen in a final. We then go into the following season, he completely loses the dressing room and gets sacked um, at the position where we're, we're completely out of everything and we're not looking like we're going to progress. We're, we're dropping down the league. We can't get a win. We could barely score a goal. Arteta comes in. And we win an FA Cup after the after the back off the back of that horrifically poor start to the season, um, and we end. I think was it eighth? I think we finished at the end of last season, um, and won the FA Cup to get back into Europe. Of course, this season uh, we sit in. Obviously, right now I believe we sit in. Is it ninth or tenth that we're in right now? So let me double check quickly. Uh, we're tenth, so Villa have gone above us by two points. So we're currently tenth with Leeds uh, joint with us on eleven, but six goals behind us on goal difference. Um, so the idea is that obviously we're still declining and we're going backwards. The league position's getting worse. My gripe with this this kind of theory, this context around Arsenal going backwards and keep going backwards, and we should sack the manager now because we keep going backwards, is that. Everyone kind of is looking in a blinkered view of just Arsenal, and it's just Arsenal they're looking at right now. And I think that people are kind of forgetting everyone else and forgetting the situations of everyone else in comparison to us. Because whilst we've been recruiting exceptionally poorly over the last six to ten years, and it's only in the last year and a bit that we've started to see a change in how the team's being put together and built, Everyone else in that time has been able to improve their squads, gradually get better and improve. And they're not making the same mistakes that we're making. They're not wasting the 561 million quid between 2015 and 2019. And they're gradually getting better. And the issue that I have with saying that after just a year of Arteta to chuck him out now is that I feel like we're... The, the graph is like going down, I agree with you, but it's that point where it's starting to turn. And I feel like Arteta arrested the slide of what it would have been had we have continued to regress under Unai Emery and with the bad signings that were made with Raul Senyehi at the club, and that we're now, and some people are willing to throw away the signs that we are actually starting to change. The market, you look at the last summer window, you look at January, Partey, Gabriel, top-class players in two key positions. January, get rid of loads of players, bring in on loan because we weren't able to do anything else, but the player that we do bring in, we identify a great player in Erdogan, and you look at the impact that he's had. For the first time, I've had confidence that the club's moving in the right direction in regards to our recruitment. 
And so when you go around and that, that kind of graph that's gradually turning, I just want to see in a year's time if that is the case. Now, I might sit here in a year's time and we're still 10th. And we've brought in, say, three or four decent players this summer and we're still 10th. At that point, I'll turn around, as I've said, because it's not about being blind loyal to this guy. In a year's time, if we've not progressed of that point, I'll be like, look, we need to ask some questions now. We need to probably think about this process not working. But do you see what I'm saying there? And do you think that there is people maybe missing the context of all of the other teams around us and how they're changing and how actually we're just kind of trying to arrest the slump that has begun under Wenger and continued under Emery and is now trying to be stopped by Arteta? I think you mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned the key word there, uh, which is arresting the slide. For me, it's more of stemming the bleeding. Um, but what what what, what Ateta has not done is heal the wound. You know, it's stemmed the bleeding, but it's not healed the wound. And a, a lot of the times, the wound opens back up again and reminds us how painful you know it is to to go through to go through this process. And look, there's the, there's a massive amount of work to be done when Ateta came in, and everybody saw everybody saw it. And the January we had. Get rid of all the players we, we, you know, that we that we had on the books, and essentially not playing not playing a game for us, and being a pain in the in the dressing room, and this is why I think the dressing room is has been a better place for for Ateta to kind of to do his work, um, and I just I, for me, it's more of the backing because I still didn't think. Yeah, we're getting we're getting rid of players in in January, but is he going to get back to replace those players with quality players in 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 the summer? But is that, and, that's not on Arteta, is it? That's that's on the ownership, isn't it? That's to oh say yeah, that, that's yeah, what, that's on should... the ownership. But this this is Arteta coming out because we don't hear a lot from the ownership. Arteta's mm. come out and said this this owners I'm going to back him, yeah. and uh, uh, you know a lot of things that you know non negotiable when it comes to with him. And the owners, because it's already outlined what he wants. So I'm I'm taking his word for it, saying that this you know this these owners are going to back him in in every way in every way possible. I've not really seen it yet. Yes, we we you know we we we, we got the party the party and the Gabriel deal through, but a lot a lot of the other things were free deals and and loans and stuff. But if we can then push a little bit more in the summer and do substantially better than what we did in the summer, then that will show me that there's something that, you know, that they see in the manager to, to, to try and get him to the level that, that he wants to be at. Because obviously he has a pathway. I'm not saying it. I've already been on here and, and literally said, look, if, if Ateta don't get us top four, or at least win the European League, I'm Ateta up. And my stance hasn't changed because mm. of because of the the inconsistencies that I keep seeing in in the way that we play and in the way that some of his selection or some of his sub substitution or tactics has been questionable sometimes. But then you got to look at the personnel as well. It's not all on him, you know. You got to look at the personnel. Does he have enough? And like we said earlier on. It's so hard to manage a football game. I've, I've been a coach at a very, very low level before. And when you've got six kids that can't play football, but you've got five-star players, you're going to lose more games than you win. It's just 
how football is at you any said level. About the, just let me pick you up on the, one of the points you said, and then I'll let you go uh-huh. again. The You said about stem and the bleeding, and like Arteta has not been able to heal the wounds, right? So yeah. the, 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 the devil's advocate, to my point of view, is that we sack Arteta now. We say, no, it's not working, mate. We're going to get someone else in. We get someone else in. I mean, I don't know who. <laughs> I don't know who that's going to be. Um, and I don't know if we've got the trust in the ownership to actually get the right person in anyway. Um, that's a problem. We get, we get someone else in. What is it that you think that Arteta's not done or what another coach could do that then heals that wound? What What is what is it that I'm missing that I that I can't quite see at the moment? Um, f- first of all, ex- experience is... It's, it's it's something that a lot of people use loosely, but it it's it's a nuance in it's still a nuance in the game, you know, and and knowing how to how to react and how to handle the game when the game is going going you know in a certain way, um, the the ability to to draw to draw big players like for me one of the one of my bugbears over the last few weeks when they've been talking about Haaland. We're not involved in that bloody conversation. Like, why are we not? And this, these are the little things that I think maybe with a with, with a big man. And look, I know we can't look at other clubs and and try and uh, do what they're doing. But a lot a lot has been made about. Oh yeah, we want to kind of do what Liverpool did. Look what Liverpool went through, and look how they came through it. They went through a plan, brought Klopp in, and they follow through the plan. Um, Look, I really want to, I really want to, you know, go through that type of uh, blueprint. But you need a manager that's done it before at the highest level. And Klopp, I've done it before in the high at the highest level in Germany with big clubs competing with the, you know, the likes of Bayern Munich and 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 those type of clubs over there. So for me, Ateta is still new in the game. He's learning as he's going. Look at what Chelsea done. Like I said, we can't just look at other clubs, but sometimes. You got to look at what your neighbours are doing, and it, it it doesn't help that Chelsea go and get rid of Lampard when they were just as bad as we were, and all of a sudden they bring in Tuchel. He's only lost one game. Lost Do you not think that's because that Lampard's like you look at two hundred million quid spent by Chelsea right on Havertz, Werner, on all of these players? Do you not think that Lampard was doing so poorly with that team? Like it's not. I don't think Chelsea fans would sit here and get rid of most of that lineup that that Lampard was using because they knew what was available to him. So Tuchel just came in. He's, he was a better coach than... than um, Again, which than is part of what I said earlier on with experience. Like, experience is a nuance. You know? Okay. It's, it's, yeah. You know, and, and that's that's the point I was trying to allude to with with just having the experience. Even though you bring in all these players, maybe a, a more experienced manager would have been able to do better with that team than what Lampard did. But Lampard didn't got that much experience. Well, he only managed Derby before he came to... Before he, you know, had the big job like... Like Chelsea, and and that's mm. that's that's the thing. But we ain't got a trigger happy owner like Chelsea does. So they they seen enough of Lampard and for you know what you got to go. But we yeah. we've got a bit more patience, and um and and obviously that that's a blessing and that's a curse at the same time because not not being able to pull the trigger means you let the rot fester like it did, and we have to get rid of all these guys that we you know we've kind of. Uh, uh, held held on to, you know, in January, and um, that's 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 the problem we're facing at the moment. I think if Ateta, I've always said this, I didn't want us to be in Europe going into this season. I really didn't, and that FA Cup was a blessing and a curse in that way because I believe we would have seen maybe 
it would have given Ateta a little bit more more um, room to adjust to being a manager and managing a big club like Arsenal, just playing uh, domestic domestic games this season. It looks like he's probably going to end up doing that next season. Uh, but I would have preferred to have that this season build ourselves up into into Europe by the league rather than trying to win Europa League. A one-off uh, kind of cup competition to try and get into 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 Europe because I just think if we do that, we're going to end up in Europe and we're not even ready to be in Europe. But winning it, getting in it by the league, you've got some form of consistency to try and go into Europe and compete. So, you know, that's how I see it. John, I feel like you're on the edge of your seat. Uh... <laughs> well, I, I mean, I agree a lot. A, a lot of that. I just think there's also the, a counter argument that you can't avoid is that why you know if we had a manager who was a little bit more who was who who why do you know the the counter argument is is why are we getting a manager that needs time to figure out how to be a manager and not fight on two fronts in Europe or and, and in the league and that's kind of what Tom's getting at about experience um, you know having a manager who who and that's the big concern right is that maybe Arteta just wasn't able to is not able to fight on both of those fronts, which is why you wanted to give him a year. And I want Arteta to do well. That's the thing here. And I think a lot of our Arsenal fans, some of them don't, but the ones that I talk to a lot, we all want Arteta to do well. I we still want him to do well. I want him to we, really, we want, Of course, he was the captain. He was he was an Arsenal player. You know, he's this young, bright manager. And, you know, he's... I don't care who he is. I just want us to succeed. That's a... No, no. Well, <laughs> Hold on, but but there's both because that's obvious. I mean, that one that's that's a low hanging fruit. But the rea- you know, I, I I'd, obviously I would I, we could I'd like us to see to see with anyone, even someone like like Mourinho, if he came in here and we won the Champions League or we won the league, like I wouldn't care, you know, I, I, at the end of the day. But um, part of me would, part of me would, and and I we don't have that with with Arteta. I think that a lot of us want him to succeed, but just liking him as a person isn't enough. You know, you actually have to see results. And and when you hear statements like maybe, you know, we shouldn't have been in Europe because he would have been able to learn how to be a manager a little bit better. Not saying that that's not true, but it, it is it is kind of the counter argument that people make as to, well, why should we be in that position? Shouldn't we get someone who's ready to take the mantle to go fight in, in Europe? and in the league, and to actually get tangible progress moving forward. Because I guess what? We were in Europe, and now we're not in Europe. We were fifth when uh, when Emery last left us, we, you know, teetering on eighth. We were eighth last season, and we finished tenth this season. That's all downhill stuff. Does that mean that he should go right now? No, because I personally want to see what I'm, – I'm with you. I want to see what the, the ownership will do o- over – over the summer, because look, if yeah. because you know Arteta hasn't been really one that seems that he's just going to blow smoke. So he, if he's getting assurances that he's going to be backed by the man, the uh, the ownership, there's a there's an onus on them. If we start getting all of this lip service, if things don't get done in the summer that need to be done, and it's like, oh well, you know, it didn't work out, and we had all these plans, and this is just the way that football is sometimes, and sometimes you don't get the deals you need done, and and all this crap, like. <laughs> then there's then there's a real there's a real issue and and it's a real dialogue about like the veracity of what what anything that the manager was told or not as to what he's going to get in terms of backing from the ownership and you know that would be a really sad day if that's the case because that I, and ultimately I want to see that play out 
and, and it's an intellectual curiosity on my part. I want to see how this summer plays out. I want to see an Arteta squad that he can look at and replace the way that he, you know, get backing from the ownership so we can look at the squad and say, this is what my, in my head, this is what I wanted to see on the pitch and see how that works. If it doesn't work, you know, fine, you know, but I, I don't think that I, I see the argument for wanting to get rid of him now. And I think there's merit to it, especially especially if we're out of Europe next season, if, we're, if we don't win the Europa League, and we finish lower than we did last season. I mean, clearly that's not progress. And, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can get that argument. But I personally want to give him the summer. I want to see what he can do with the mm. squad and, and, and start the season off. Remember, we started last season with our striker. Basically, who could have expected that? Who could have expected Aubameyang to have the form that he did in the beginning of the season? A tyranny injury early on. Like these things that would have given us momentum going in the season, we constantly had to fight back. And it was a manager learning what he was doing. So we can make all these arguments of what we should have done. It's irrelevant. We already did it. It's in the past. Let's see if we can move on and see if that he'll get the resources that he needs and see what that looks like. I, I, you got to be as curious as I am to see what an Arteta team that's actually – what he actually wants – on a football pitch actually materialize because mm. what this is this surely isn't it i hope it's not it let me put it that way yeah me too I, I i get the merit i get the i understand the merit behind the wanting him out like i don't i don't agree with that view and i know that i know all of your arteta out and i'm not just saying this because you're here like i i don't think the one in arteta out is what i describe as a stupid opinion it's not because arteta is not perfect like right. he has made mistakes. He's done things that's frustrated the hell out of me this season. He's made team selections, which I think have costed us matches and costed performances like yesterday. He is not perfect. And that's why the argument to say that and the, the, the opinion that he should go is not something I can go, well, that's stupid. What are you talking about? Because it's not because there is merit and there is evidence to suggest that that's <laughs> that you can have that view. The issue I've got is that when people turn around and say that they can't see anything, that they can't see nothing, that there is no evidence at all that it's worth keeping it for another year. That's what I get frustrated with. And they're like, nah, not good enough. This is not like, it's, it's just, that's what gets to me the most. And this whole thing about, and you talked about, and I mean, Ollie, you said experience is a nuance, that sort of things. I think experience is the one of the most overrated qualities in football. Like, it hmm. is, for me, one of the most overrated qualities. Because if that was the case, like you would just see the top teams go out and get in just like the... All the time, someone who has obviously gone out and done everything and that is like 60, 70 years old and done all of this, but that's not the case because sometimes coach like Thomas Tuchel is still a young coach. Like he's, he's gone to PSG, he's been at Dortmund, he's still a young guy as a, as a coach. And I know that Arteta has not done loads and I understand that. But Anything. there is no... No, exactly. And, and that's, the, that's the argument though, isn't it? That he has never actually managed the first team in his life. Yeah, and that's that's obviously the difference in, in that experience. Like Man United going and getting Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and obviously Chelsea with Lampard. And Lampard got them obviously into the Champions League with, with no transfer budget at all, um, whatever. That That's what I don't get around this whole idea of the experience. I just think it's a very overrated because like West Ham go and get Manuel Pellegrini in between the two David Moyes stints. They were dreadful. They were terrible. Like, absolutely <laughs> dreadful. And that's the thing is people go, oh, like we just we need someone with like with loads of like, all of this and all of that. And it's the case, like, what do you want? Do you want Sam Allardyce? Because he's got loads, like he's got loads of experience and stuff like this. This is what I get, is that I think it's just too broad of a term. I understand the theory. I understand the point of saying we need someone that has shown that he's got more from players that he improves teams. 
I get that. And Ola, I want to give you a chance to to come back on this. So so just hammer me into the ground, son. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, this is why this is why I didn't. It's not so much of an over overriding um, part of you know selecting the manager. It's why I put it down to a nuance because it's still a part of it's still a part of what you need going forward. I mean, even even mentioning people like Samaladas, like you just did earlier on, you know, these are experienced managers in a certain. They they relegation manage. They know how they know how to deal with relegation battles. That's their expertise. They are experienced in that. Like imagine, look what happened with Shira and Newcastle, you know, and the, the year they went down. Shira had no experience, you know. Then they bring they bring somebody else in in that sort of situation, and they you know they 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 stay up. So it's the same thing with West Ham. A lot of times that we, we've seen we've seen this. People like Steve Bruce, people like Roy Hogson, people like uh, Sam Allardyce, they just come from out of no, you know, being out of a job for like half a season, quarter of a season. The season is about to be done. It looks like some of these clubs are going to go down and they go and get these managers in. And in the end, lo and behold, a lot of these teams stay up. And that's just down to the experience. But like I said, you know, for me, it's, it's a new one. It's, it's never overriding thing. But it's it's still part of um what you need to. I was looking at Ateta's amount of games the, the the you know that is you know that is managing the Premier. He's only managed fifty games. That's young, you know. That's so he's only managed fifty Premier League games. That's 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 as young, you know. He's he's still learning his trade and he's learning on the fly. You can see sometimes I I think to myself, did you even learn? from the last mistake, you know, considering that early minute go to Villa and ultimately that was what sealed the three points for them. We did exactly the same thing against Man City. Considered in the first minute, they didn't get another sniff. They, they went with it, you know, with, with the one uh, nil and got three points. And uh, it, it just comes to me, always prang in my head, like, look, have we, have we actually learned anything from, is this manager learning anything? But then some other times you look at and you know it does it does come out with some good performances. So and that's why I, I still think you know the players are on his side. I just think his preferred personnel when available to him in yesterday's game. And I think the people that were selected should have given him more. But you know, how how much would another manager say say we give we bring in an Allegri? You know, watches the team, and in a big game like Liverpool, they could they rally them up to 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 is try that, and get is, a result is, uh, against somebody I mean, like Liverpool. The Allegri thing, like I get it, like I understand he's he's won things with Juventus, he'd won things with AC Milan, but he's he's been at those clubs at periods where they're on the top of their game. They're an amazing squad, amazing players. Arsenal aren't that. Like Arsenal aren't a, a squad with an amazing players. We've got a few decent ones. But as we talked about earlier, I'd get rid of most of them. Like this is the thing: is that I want to, I want a coach that's going to come in and that has shown that with a poor squad, he's got a hell of a lot more out of them. Like that's this is like the Ancelotti thing, and where else he's gone? Even at Everton, he's gone out and he signed prime players last summer, like Decore and Alan and James Rodriguez, that are going to come in and have an immediate impact on the team. And even then, 
they've had some poor performances and they I think towards the end of the season we're, we're still probably going to see a drop off and we're, we'll, we'll see where they are there is one coach I look at in the league that I think that's doing really well with the, with the squad that he's got but even then I think the squad's amazing it's Brendan Rodgers like at Leicester I think yeah. that Leicester have recruited over the last five years amazingly well and that has helped amazing, the yeah. coaches that they have had I feel like this is why the main thing that what comes around about seeing Arteta is I just want to see in a year's time after hopefully, and this is all on the caveat that he's backed. It's all on the, it's all on that. And it's, it's yeah. all going to be on that. Uh, and and I, I'm going to get so angry if we don't back him this time. I really will. I mean, I he, because it'll be all for nothing. If they don't back him, he's criminal. He's exactly. criminal. Right, John, I know you wanted to say a point. Um, and then we are going to go to the chat box for user questions. And I'm stealing that term off Mike indefinitely now. Um, so user questions in the chat. If you've got one for the guys and myself, please throw them into the chat box. Use the capital Q in the chat so we can help them stand out. I'll also put a prompt in there now. But go ahead, Johnny boy. Uh, well, actually, that that's exactly the point I was going to make about wanting to bat. And I kind of alluded to it earlier that I want to see what Arteta will do when he's actually given the a squad that he has. So you actually kind of nailed the point that I was going to make. One other thing I was going to say, just in terms of like considerations, I- including experience, which is something that people throw around wanting experience, which is, is a valid point, um, is this notion of progress. And it really is a weird a concept because I think you could define it very differently and it's it's right at the crux it's right at the center of the discussion about whether you keep or get rid of Arteta has there been progress and it really comes down to how you define progress if, if progress is league table finishing then finishing 10th when we finished eighth last season is not progress it's it's the opposite if if not winning a trophy when last season we did win a trophy is pro- is is not progress the opposite um that that's one way of looking at it if being out of europe instead of being in europe is is considered anti progress then that's one way to consider it so there's all these different ways of looking at at, at progress if you're going to use it as a benchmark or as a litmus test to determine whether Arteta should continue going forward. I think there's a lot of things that you need to look at as well, like performances on the pitch. We still have these kind of performances, which is that showing progress, maybe defensively, but the attack is still stagnant. We're not getting the best out of some players. Aubameyang has been disappeared. So I see this notion of progress and experience and all of these are intermingled. And it's, it's, it's kind of a very, it's a very diverse conversation. And, and I don't know if there's really an answer yet. So that's why I'm willing to kind of let it play out because, you know, I, I have the emotional stability to handle it if we need to deal with it. I know a lot mm. of people out there just being on football Twitter might not have that, and, and I get it. <laughs> I get why maybe there's like – You know what impetus. football Twitter is, right, John? <laughs> yeah, there, there, there might be an impetus to, you know, to, to, to get it done now and fix everything right now because we can't take it anymore. I get it. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's all I'm saying. There's that these notions of progress and these notions of experience are intertwined and, and there's different ways of looking at it. So that's just something to keep in mind when we're, when we're analyzing what, 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 if we should use progress as a benchmark for Arteta. And and you could also look at progress as the, the debut that we had last season. Have we still got them at the club? Yeah. This yeah. season, which is how many? How do we do we move it. out? Like the players yeah. that like we're moaning about. Does he get rid of those guys? Is he going to yeah. get rid of one of Lacazette or Aubameyang? Is he going to get rid of uh, a centre back? Is he going to give Louise a new contract? Is he going to try and sign a better goalkeeper? And I mean, not even a backup. Is he going to get someone to compete with Leno? Is he going to sign a backup left back? Is he going to get rid of Hector Bellerin? Is he going to get a better centre midfielder? Yeah. Right. 
and interesting and, and if you want to talk about like just to show how slippery progress can get as a conversation <laughs> uh, <laughs> emery was one point off top four and got to a european final with Gwenduzi, jaka in the midfield mustafi in the back Socrates, rams well ramsey was amazing but um no that's what i was pointing out <laughs> yeah, we, we get players and, and obamiang was scoring a lot for him so but, yeah but you see it, it like when you say progress like you have to define it and and it's kind of it gets a little weird when you try to do that, especially when you're trying to figure out whether uh, whether to use it as a benchmark for for success. Yeah, I mean, just before we go into questions, I was looking at that season because that sort of reminded me like of why we finished one point off top four. Like the other teams in that league season are so like, so it's so funny. Leicester finished ninth, like and were and lost sixteen games. Everton yep. finished eighth, lost fourteen games. Wolves finished seventh, lost thirteen games. We lost ten across the whole season, which I know we'd love to have only lost 10 this season. Mm. Um, but I do think that we're in a worse situation now and the teams around us are much better. West Ham finished 10th on 52 points, same as Leicester. Aston Villa weren't even in the league you know, at this point. And, like, that and shows really, you how far they've come. Yeah, and it really makes you think, Is it? can you ever really make a comparison to past seasons? Every no, season has to be taken by a case-by-case basis. And, 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 and you can't. And so this notion of progress becomes very, very muddy when you start thinking like that, because what are you progressing like in relation to like a season that is, that there was, to- it's totally different. It's so, I'm sorry, I'm getting too philosophical here. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> let's crack up with the questions. We've got 23, 22 minutes left of the show. So let's uh, get through as many of these feasibly possible. If you can, we're going to try and get through as many because the boys are going to keep their answers com- composed and conservative and brief. Um, and, uh, and we'll get through as many as we can. So, Ola, starting with you, mate. Um, MIL Reaction says, maybe we should take the buy-in route, uh, meaning that we buy star players from lesser clubs in the league. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, we're not in the position to do that. We used to be in the position to do that, uh, but we, we're amongst the uh, the lesser teams at the There's moment. There's only 10 of those so. now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the wind, the window to, to buy now. They used to be exactly, you know. So we, we used to be in a position to do that, but um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of these teams are going to big time us now, and uh, you know, what's the possibility of you know a club like us now signing uh, Jack Grealish? You know, it's it's crazy, but maybe maybe eight, ten years ago we might have been able to pull it off, but in this current climate. Um, very, very difficult. Mm. MAO, I, I will say, I think you're on the right path, mate. I think you, your theory is sound and we should do that um, and we should be savvy with our signings. It, and it's, I think it's, again, it's something that we've not done over the last five years, that's five to 10 years, that's really, really cost us um, in the league. So yeah, I think you're on the right route. It's just how we execute that and how realistic it is. Um, Daniel Roberts says, if we win the Europa League, will we be ready for the Champions League? I don't want us to fall off in the group stage or the round of 16. No, we won't be ready. But uh, it depends what we do in the summer. But it doesn't matter. I don't care. I don't <laughs> we care. just need to be in it. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's, not, it's not just like, a, oh, I want to see. I, I'm sick of hearing the Europa theme song, which I am. It's more It's more uh, because there was a time where I was like, okay, you know, we're not. The, the, the Champions League gets kind of boring. We get knocked out by Barcelona and Bar- Bayern Munich every year. What's the point? But when you start looking at, like, the financial situation, and I don't really, you know, it's not my 
bank account that's going up or down. Well, it's going down when I keep buying stuff that Arsenal puts out with <laughs> a new kid every week. But but it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the sense of in the sense of like my the bottom my bottom line is not tied into the Cronkies in in the, in, the, in that way, right? Um, the reality is is that if we want to progress and we want to be able to invest in the squad the way that we're going to need to if we're going to start pushing for those competitions like challenging in champions league challenging in the league uh on a more consistent basis and in, in any basis right now we're going to need to be in 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 the champions league so are we ready no <laughs> we're not i i'm i don't even know if we're ready for top four yet but here we are and we're trying um it's going to be a question of what can we do in the summer and that that mission of building the squad based off of our goals to get in either the top four again or uh, to to actually challenge for the league become way easier if we're in the Champions League. So mm-hmm. honestly, it doesn't really matter. We just need to get back in there just financially to rebuild the squad and to get into a position where we could start challenging and get our arsenal back or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, this is a funny one for you, Ola. Matt G says, for Ola, was Black Scorpion 1 and Black Scorpion 2 taken or are you a third generation Black Scorpion? Um, I'll, I'll, that's a mad question. That's a mad question. But black, black Scorpion one and two was taken, and that's why, that's why I got it. That's why I got number three. So I went for, I went for one. I went for two. It didn't happen. I keep three on it. It worked. So we've kept it since then. There you go. I'll ask you a better question. Uh, not that that Thank wasn't you for that good. Question, uh, Matt, really that good. was great. Uh, but a more relatable question is the way to say it. It's a really easy one for you, Ola. Uh, Richard Noakes says, who would you sign this summer? Whoa. Um, I said it was easy. I want to bring in Edouard from, from, Celt- from Celtic. I, I really like him. I I like his movement, his tenacity, and um, you know, the, and the players that played in that league. If they're anything like Kieran Tierney, please <laughs> bring them to my club. <laughs> if they got that much passion and and all of that, bring bring them oh, over. Just, we, just we remember that Mustafi played like in the same league as Messi. Just just oh, remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I like I like the look of Edward. Um, if I could bring him in, uh, he'd be the one. Sounds. It's a good shout. We've covered him on the show a number of times. Uh, Alex McCarthy, I'll take this one quickly and then we'll go for another one. Uh, Alex says, does Arteta know what he has to do in the summer? If he does and fails, then Mikel know he's gone. Um, I think that he does know what he needs to do. I think that he said already, like he said that he needs like five, six players like to get where he wants to kind of get this team moving. He says the plan's done. They said that they know what they want to do. So if we're stuttering and, and, and stalling and we're waiting until the end of the summer to pull off a buyout club, for a Thomas Partey type signing then that must that, I mean I don't really get like if we are at that stage we should get business done quick we should get it done early and we should get it done well at the start of this window there should be no excuses towards the end of the window I get maybe pick up a couple of decent deals if some become available because some players only become available at certain stages throughout the window but I think we just need to be as as competent as we can be and hopefully he can enact that plan uh neptune says if we don't make europe what is next for this club because the cronkies aren't going to back us well uh it becomes very much more difficult to enact any kind of plan they're going to need to be very very shrewd with transfers uh with potential loans maybe we'll start seeing some of the youth players kind of feature a little bit more hopefully someone can make a break where it, it becomes more difficult to, to uh, and and look, 
this is the last part of this question because the Cronkies won't back us. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, they have we have spent money. It hasn't been very great return on it. I mean, we we you know you could look mm-hmm. at Pepe. A, a Obamaing was a big deal. Um, we've we've made some shrewd signings. Kieran Tierney was an amazing signing. Gabriel looks like it. Martinelli. Gabriel. These are you know there's been a trend of decent signings. Um, it, they sure cleared out what needed to be cleared out over the summer with Mesodozel, uh, with with Socrates, uh, with Mustafi. Like all of these moves were really really good. Now it's a question of, are they going to take that next step? If we don't make Europe, it's a lot more difficult. But, you know, it's not impossible. It, it could happen. And and it, they just need to be a little bit smarter with it. If the money's there, the player's going to come most of the time, I, I believe. Um, you know, obviously there are certain exceptions to that. You look at players like Holland. He's not going to want to come to a club where they're not in Europe because he wants to play at the top level. But then again... If you pay enough, not that we're ever going to pay the amount of money that would yeah. offset him wanting to be in Europe. His, but... his ring time is the Champions League anthem, mate. He's not coming. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So, <laughs> so, but, but I mean, it depends how much you give him. Uh, let's be real. Let's be oh, real. Did you see the breakdown today about how much he wants? Have you seen it? How much does he want? So, well, the agent breakdown is that Mino Raiola takes twenty million euros. Uh, Alfinger Haaland takes twenty million euros, and Haaland takes. 30 million euros per season. And that's before you even get to the transfer fee. That's the levels that we're talking. So yeah, money will, money will talk at the end of the day. You know, he's, he's going to play football and he's going to make a lot of money. You sure. He's going to want to play in the champions league and all that stuff. But if the dollars, right, we're not going to do it. All right. This is completely mental. You <laughs> yeah, know I don't know why we're talking about it. <laughs> we're, we're, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, no, we're, you know, if we make Europe, it's a, if we don't make Europe, it's not necessarily the end of the days. We're just going to have to pay a little bit of a premium on on certain players, or and the alternative, we're just going to have to be very, very shrewd with how we conduct business and 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 um, rely more than we might want to on the youth players that we have, things like that. So, um, that being said, there is the added benefit of like Ola was kind of alluding to earlier, being able to focus on one tournament, which is the cha- which is the uh, the league, and trying to get in the top four. But as we see with the rest of the league, that's never a guarantee. And going in there with one financially one hand tied behind your back with our yes, there's been some good transfers we've had. But on the whole, have we really, you know, it's questionable. Uh, Pablo Mira, uh, one of our fantastic members, says, if a club came in for Saka with 100 million pounds, would you take it so we can build on our squad? Wow. Um I was having this conversation earlier on. Uh, I've I've tried to desensitize myself from having this crazy tie up with these players because they can get up and go at any time. So if 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 a good offer like that comes in, it will be crazy not to take it. You know, especially if if it's one of those where you can put your foot down like the Sancho deal and say, you know what. I want all the hundred million in one go. If you ain't got it, go away. I don't want to talk to you. You know, it's that's 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 what Dortmund has been doing for so long. They get all these fantastic players, and and if you got the money, pay all the money up front, come and get him. Or wait till he's a free free signing and by a minute we just pluck him off. So it's kind of been like that, but it's, it, I, f- I think it's a system that we, you know, we're gonna have to look, we're gonna have to look at. But that's if we get an offer like that for 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 Saka. And if if we get that offer, I'll take it if they're paying cash up front. 
Wow. If, I mean, I suppose if it's up front, it's, it makes it tougher. I would really struggle with it. Um, I think we've got, because I think there's a world-class talent there. Um, 100 million pounds? I mean, what can 100 million? It can't buy you Haaland. <laughs> it can't buy you Haaland. We gave Nabri away for free. I will yeah. take 100 million for Saka. Yeah, it's true. Maybe learn from your mistake. Uh, Manny Clerks says Arteta was never going to get sacked in his first two and a half years. As long as we don't get relegated, he's fired. This is a wonderful sentence. Is there a team in history like us and Milan who successfully rewielded a squad of this size? Which I kind of really like this question. And I was thinking a little bit about it while Ola was talking. Now, I don't think that they're of the same historical size as Arsenal, but they're certainly a big club. You look at Aston Villa, for example relegated not so long ago after being continuously in the Premier League, a team that have won a European trophy. Um, and last, obviously, over the last year and a bit, they fought off relegation last season again after coming up and have then invested smartly and bought in good players and have progressed further up the table. And you expect that. And that's through a lot of backing, by the way. They're one of the highest spending clubs in Europe, not just the Premier League now. And that's the difference is that, yes, you can rebuild these teams, these sleeping giants, if you want to call them that, but it takes money and it takes a lot of it and it takes it being spent well. Whilst Arsenal may have spent well in terms of how much they have spent, they've spent a hell of a lot recently, mm. but it's how that money is spent and it's what you do with that money and where it goes. But I'd say Aston Villa, or maybe not, they're not on the same level in terms of size as Arsenal, but they're a big, big club of European pedigree and they are rebuilding by spending a lot of money. Milan is obviously the example, Manu, that you bring up. It's another good example. They've got themselves kind of back challenging well, for the first two-thirds of the season, you would say. Um, it's tough to think of other sides that have really kind of dropped off the map in, in the same way. I mean, you may look at like Schalke this season. Are they going to oh. be able to rebuild after what's happened to them? It's going to be really tough. Uh, for those guys. You look at Borussia Mönchengladbach have got themselves back into the Champions League back in the day. They used to be a very, very big club in Germany. So it is possible, um, but it takes, in the Premier League, it takes a hell of a lot of money. Uh, and that's what the difference is for us. Uh, let's scroll down. Um, El Batch says, John, uh, what do you think is Arteta's biggest flaw? For me, it's his team selection. Uh yeah, I think I agree with that. I think he doesn't know what his best side is, if there is, is even one right now. And I think the it, it, part of that is is experience in battling on multiple fronts and multiple competitions, um, dealing with injuries and and you know being able to kind of utilize what he has in, in a way that's that's effective. Sometimes he does it, sometimes he doesn't. If he could do it more consistently, we'd be in a better position. And part of that is the personnel he has available. I don't. I think that he tries to make do with what he has. I don't think he does it right, fifty um, percent of the time. Maybe, maybe a little bit. Maybe he does it right more than fifty percent. That's that's pretty. That's pretty bad. Saying that he gets it right once every. It feels like he gets it right fifty percent of the time, <laughs> which is which is why I'm agreeing with this with with his assessment in this question. It's that, you know, I think that part of it has to do with the tactics that he's utilizing and 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 that ties in with the personnel he has. So it's not necessarily a flaw of his. It's a you know he might be a victim of circumstance in certain points, but there's definitely cases where you're just scratching your head going what are you doing? And that hopefully gets better. Um, there was a question about, uh, I just want to pick up on a super chat as well that's come in. Um, but there was a comment basically saying that we need to sign uh, 
Premier League. Here we go. Alex McCarthy says, we should primarily focus on signing Premier League players moving forward under 30 years of age. Do you agree or disagree? And the super chat that came in um, from Callum Crichton. Thank you ever so much. I really, really appreciate the support. Says, no, we need good homegrown players. They are hard to come by. And obviously, we've seen one of our homegrown players score today um, against Spurs. It was glorious. It saved Easter Sunday for many Arsenal fans. So we really appreciate you, Joe. We much appreciate that, mate. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for saving Sunday. Um, But yeah, there was a few more questions. Uh, Let's see if we can find the one I wanted to find for Ola. Here we go. Uh, Yo-Yo says, has Arteta shown enough to show his superiors that he deserves greater funding if he fails to qualify for European football this season? Um, uh, On results, no. I don't think I don't think it's shown enough on results. I think we've been so inconsistent this season. But we've also highlighted the problems in you know in the pod when we said earlier on about the amount of passengers that we're carrying every week, week in, week out. And it's so it's it's a difficult thing to do to to carry that many players through through a game and expect to get results, consistent result week in, week out. It doesn't help that um Ateta was sticking with certain players earlier on in the season that weren't really, um, you know, doing the job for him and we, we kept losing points, i.e. William. Um, but uh, it's, it's learning in that regard because Ronasin messed up, dropped him. William messed up, dropped him. So, but he needs to show the same energy for, for Aubameyang because you can't keep, especially putting him on the left, you know, you can't keep doing that week in, week out when mm. it's not working, like I said. You know, maybe take him off the bench and then bring him on and let him run at certain players, or you know, especially depending on what games we play, horses for courses and all of that. But for me, I still think um, he needs to show a bit more. Winning the Europa League is really going to help him get that funding. You know, the the full the full backing. If what he says is true, that you know the owners really really want to back him, I think we saw. Winning what winning the FA Cup got him, which was Pate and, and Gabriel. What could he get winning the Europa League and getting us into Champions League? Um, uh, I, I think the, the the funding will be there for him. If he doesn't win it, then like John said earlier on, John already uh, alluded to, we're gonna have to be shrewd because he might not get that much funding from the from the owners if he doesn't um, if he doesn't win the Europa League or get us into top four. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's go to uh, Peter Marutu. He says, Tom, uh, how can we be successful with this self-sustaining model with a manager like Arteta? <laughs> I, I read this question because I think it's actually ironic um, because I think Arteta is the first coach where I've actually had a little bit of hope that under a self-sustaining model, we can um, actually achieve something because he's the first coach of the three in the last decade that actually during the transfer windows is doing some good stuff. Uh, with the money that we've got available to me. Like, I know it's not perfect, and you've got Willian, Runnison, for instance, um, but I think actually the, what we're actually spending the bulk of our money on being Partey and Gabriel last summer, I think it'll work. I think it can work. So next summer is, yes, we need to spend. Yes, we need to sell really well and get rid of a lot of the players that Ola was talking about earlier on as well. We need to make sure we continue that trend of moving on the players that are not good enough to stay at the club. But I actually think that Arteta is ironically of the three, the, the, the better coach under the self-sustaining model. Um, Callum, thank you so much for the Super Chat again, mate. It says, Tom, what are your thoughts on the Alba uh, right now, he looks like he doesn't want to be here. Also, they have back. Uh, also, 
they have to back him or we won't improve. It's a must. I mean, John, I'll throw this to you, mate. Abamyang, it's a tough situation with him. Um, do, do you think we, because we've we've given him this new deal, of course, so we've, he's going to be here. I don't see a selling. I don't see anyone coming in for him. So how do you manage him? So I guess I'll, I'll take these. I'll keep the how do you manage him question in the back of my head and I'll kind of take these in reverse order. So they have to back him, meaning Arteta or Aubameyang. I think they mean like the coach. I think they have to back him as in like they have to keep playing him. Um, But he could mean we have to back Arteta. Otherwise, we're not going to improve the squad. So I agree with having to back Arteta from up top and giving him the players that he wants. And hopefully the kind of luck of the, the summer will kind of be in our favor. Um, so that I agree. I don't think you need to play a, this notion that you have to play a player is, I don't think a real one. I think if you're not performing, I, I believe in a meritocracy when it comes to a football pitch that yes, you know, there's a certain degree of diminishing returns with a player that you can just keep playing them and playing them and playing them. And, you know, it, it, yeah, you get this idea that maybe their confidence comes back, but it also might be compounding their frustration so that it doesn't help. And maybe being on the sidelines a little might help. Um, so I don't, you know, I trust someone uh, who is tasked to being the manager of a football club to know that more than anyone else. So if he's playing him, you know, there, there's a reason for that, in my opinion. I don't know if it's the right reason. Um, and I don't know if we'll ever really know that. Um, now, in terms of whether Obamiang can be managed, um, I don't I don't think there's anything but the but the. Uh, recent no, uh, stories that he was late to practice and whatever, all that crap that came out um, to suggest that he can't be managed. Uh, you know, obviously there's that talk when he was coming out of Borussia Dortmund, but um, we haven't really seen that at Arsenal. He's always seemed to be a pretty likable guy. He's always seemed to be one that's that's willing to do, you know, there, there hasn't been any stories that he's not training well or that or this or that. Yeah, he shows up late. You know, he, he drives up fancy cars and all that fun stuff. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you got to really look at it as, is he performing? And if he's not, why is he still playing week in and week out? Are we trying to play him back into form? Because that doesn't seem to be working. And, it, and guess what? We've been doing that all season. It's it, Something happened. Either the pressure was too much or he didn't like, you know, he was told one thing and, and something else happened. This season has been abysmal for Aubameyang. Since pretty much day one, I don't really know why that is. I don't know if Arteta knows why that is, and I don't know if we'll, if we'll ever know why that is. But you know, there comes a point in time where there's, like I said, diminishing returns. You got to cut your losses and you got to move on because we need we need a striker that's scoring goals <laughs> on a consistent basis. Like that's the end. That's the end of the story, really, in my opinion. And it's annoying to see a, a player like Kane just left and right scoring goals week in and week out like here's like can you imagine? scoring goals assisting goals assisting, for the scoring team. it's ridiculous and like you know he was talking four years ago about wanting the trophies like would would anyone right now not take kane over Aubameyang? of course you have to be you have to be out of your mind not to want to take kane over Aubameyang right now. out of your mind out of your mind and you know man whatever it's it's let, let me let me ask you john do you think he can rekindle it again do you think do you think that that fire can come back because if you look at jamie vardy um only a couple seasons ago under claude Puel, he was yeah. within himself wasn't performing yeah. you know it's like everybody was saying maybe he's too old like you know there were so many speculations and all of a sudden change the change the manager and look at the vardy we've we've had over the last over the last, you know, couple seasons since yeah. since Rogers has been there, 
Yeah, and guess what? We, we we thought we had that. We thought we had that with Aubameyang. Finally, there's this striker that we've been wanting. And it's like we, can, we can't have nice things when it comes to a striker, ever. <laughs> we can't <laughs> have nice things. We can't have nice things. That <laughs> is so Arsenal, man. It's it crazy. Is, man. It's, and then, like, the second, okay, yes, here we go, finally. And what happens? He's nowhere to be found. He's off the face of the earth. He he had one season where he was amazing, and now all of a sudden he's, you know. So can he play out of that? I like to think that, you know, the guy's a talented player he's a talented striker it you know sure he's getting a little bit older and maybe this is this is part of that but the decline that we've seen from Aubameyang cannot I I refuse to believe it's only because he's getting one what two months older and all of a sudden it's like a totally different player like that I don't I, maybe I mean, yeah, it's, I it's it. possible it's possible but is it more likely that there's something going on and that you know he's lost faith in whatever this is or his confidence is shaken and he can't get it back like I don't know. And the manager says everything's fine. We seem to get all these fluff pieces, these PR pieces that he's doing okay. But it, it, at a certain point, it almost becomes gaslighting because we're going, how is everything okay? Like, look at his body language. Look how he's playing. Like, I, I don't buy it at a certain point. So, I mean, I mean, with that edge, you can't even put it down to confidence no more. With that edge, <laughs> be confident to have that edge. You know, you can't even put it down to confidence no more. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. yeah. Hey, I just yeah, Abamyang. I, I he is a he's a problem um, for me at the moment. He's a real problem player that we've got. I think you have to play him at the striking position. I think you've got to play him where he plays best. If you're going to play him, don't play him left wing. It's as simple as that. He's a he's yeah, he's an arrogant player. Yes, he's got an ego. Yes, he adores himself. <laughs> we know this. Um, but I like that in strikers. I like that in Thierry Henry. That's what made him such an amazing player was his confidence. So he's a goal scorer. Put him in the position where he's going to be a goal scorer. For me, it's a yeah. and, and that's and, an and sorry, just to, just one more thing. Just to say, there's a, there's an argument to be made that we're not playing to Aubameyang's strengths. And maybe that could be one of the reasons of yeah. his frustration and whatever. So, so there's something there. So... I don't know if we're ever going to do that. And and the reality is, is if, if the manager has a plan for how we're going to play, it might very well just be that Aubameyang's really not in that plan, which is kind of weird considering we just, you know, started talking about him being a legend and gave, gave him this big contract and he's a captain and all sorts of... Oh, that was the worst tagline to a signing video. I yeah. want to be a legend. <laughs> yeah, like, well, you know, you're, you're oh, on your man. way, but like for a weird reason uh, and not exactly the one that you, you might have thought, so... Yeah. Legendary failure is, is what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap up there. Uh, just very quickly, I want to touch on the last super chat. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the question. I will answer it for you. Have we all been blinded by past glories to the point where we can't see uh, how far the club has fallen off? Top six is going to be a struggle next year. Uh, I think there's a proportion of people who probably have and are very much still like in the mindset of Arsenal is this amazing club, this invincible team. <laughs> Yeah, you get real. Because <laughs> that's not yeah. the situation I'm not that we are in. By that at all. We're a big Sorry. club, but we're not. We're not a big team. Tom, you're getting you're getting, a, you're, you're getting a little you're getting a little uh, pushback in, in the chat. I don't think people people think Am that I? you meant yeah people I, people think that you were I, I think calling Obamiang a failure, and I don't think that we were you're that's what you're doing. I think no. we're, if I if I heard you right, what really it's just that it, you know if he's going to be a legend, like it's not going to be the reasons if he keeps the, if he keeps doing if he keeps playing the way he is like he did at Liverpool, 
and, and and he doesn't get any better, like that's a big issue. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack your, your super. No, uh, that's fine. But feel free to defend me anytime you like, John. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's absolutely fine, mate. Um, I'd like to thank my fantastic panel chat box. Please tell uh, John and Ola how fantastic they have been in the chat box this evening because they've been brilliant. Ola, always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thank and you very we, much, I mean, bro. we were talking the other day. We are in desperate need to share a beer together and, and head down to Roosters. Oh, yeah. I mean, we say that. I, yeah. I first off was getting the chicken wrap, but their lamb wrap is, I'm sorry, it's on another level. It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, John, when you're over, you will. You will find roosters. Oh. Yes. All yes. Right. We're taking John to roosters. That's what, what we're going to do. It, it will be visiting. What is that? It's a it's a chicken shop basically, but it's oh, yeah. I'm down. That's it's all I need. I'm good. It's I'm basically down. next to the twelve pins uh, where you where you go. And, right you know, next to the twelve pins, you, you go there, eat, suck it up, get drunk, go back, eat some more, suck it right. up. Yeah, but it's fine. I've been to the twelve pins, but I don't really remember much about being to the twelve pins. That, that is the that's, twelve that's pins. Good. Yeah. Yeah, you've had a good that's, night. That's when you know you've been to the twelve pins because you don't know you've been, so you must have been. Yeah. I generally yeah. forget about trains when I'm at the 12 pins. Oh, yeah, that story, man. <laughs> God, yes. Yeah. So just in short, before we wrap up, I mean, Ola was meant to get a train home, ended up missing his last train and had to stay at Andy's, uh, of course, who you all know from the Gooners pod when oh, he yeah. was on, uh, over. But yeah, I mean, we, I mean we, there's a thing about us staying over at the, the Gooners pod places. I stayed in Highbury when Mike rented out a flat in Highbury because I couldn't get back one night. There's, a, there's you know, there's a thing happening. Uh, it's fantastic john appreciate your time mate as always yeah yeah it was great it was a nice little therapy session after that game so i appreciate it yeah 100 100 percent. you can make sure you can find ola at black scorpion three and you can find john at 305 cast on twitter you can find ourselves at the goon talk tv and me at tom canton media and you can find all of our writing at 101 great goals as well we will be back tomorrow for a discussion show uh around a topic of um, a, a topic I'm going to be pissed off about, basically, and just want to talk about. So that's that's what it's going to be. And then on Tuesday, uh, I'll be back at 5 p.m. as usual for Let's Talk Arsenal. In fact, I can tell you who I'm going to be on with on Tuesday by checking my very organised uh, Google Sheets schedule. I'm going to be on with Craig uh, from the same old Arsenal. So me and Craig are going to be having a chat on Tuesday, so make sure you tune in. Uh, and then the next podcast, uh, I'm joined by uh, Mike, Wayne and French. So it's going to be a very good show uh, next week as well. But again, massive thank you to John and Ola, as always. Make sure you drop a like on the video thank if you sir. enjoyed it this evening. And of course, subscribe to our channel and of course their Twitter accounts and the Miami podcast because John's going to make an episode this week. I promise you, there's one coming out, mate. There's one coming out. <laughs> You'll see it soon. <laughs> I've committed to him now. Um, we'll see you again very, very soon. It's been an absolute pleasure as always and as always. Of the Oscar. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your Mc delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.